Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guys Q and Tevin in here. I'm your host Kyle Coglatori and we have the pleasure of having Prep Hoops founder Nick Carroll with us today. How's it going Nick? Really good. Really good. Appreciate you guys having me. Appreciate you coming on man. How's this pandemic? What are you doing in this pandemic? How are you doing in this pandemic? Man we're uh we're, we're fortunate because we we have such a digital element to our business um that, that everybody's able to work remote. We have so of the 20 full-time employees we have um, five of them already work remote, um, anyways. And so, or just in, in different States. And so obviously the events part of our business is impacted right now. Cause you know, you can't have a- any type of gatherings in public spaces really. Um, so we're definitely holding our breath just to get back into action there, but, um, all things considered, you know, it's been good to have family time and, um, get caught up on that side of the house. So it's been good. Your wife and your boys have got to love having you home as much as they're having you home. Man, yeah. So I'm a high school coach here at Tatino Grace in the Twin Cities as well. So like during the high school season, um, you know, it's a lot of early mornings and late nights and we're, we're kind of, you know, crossing paths like right before school or right before bed. And so this is for sure like we're getting caught up on backlog time right now without question. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. I know you're a big family, man. Um, before yeah. we get into your, uh, you know, the prep hoops and, and your coaching career and stuff like that, I want to rewind it back a little bit to your uh, playing career. Yeah. So you started off at, yeah. at Viterbro, or how do I say that again? Am I saying that right? Yeah, turbo? yeah, the, yeah, the Turbo, yep. So it's a division oh, okay. two NAI school. <laughs> I didn't know, I never heard of it until then. Tevin, leave me alone. Sorry. That's all right, that's all right, that's all right. <laughs> so no tell- problem, yeah, yeah, so, so, yeah, so I played it, I played at Creighton, um, Graduated in 2006. We had a really good team my senior year. Um, definitely knew that I wanted to, to play college basketball, but didn't have a great feel for, uh, you know, just kind of how to get in front of schools. And, and, you know, at that time, the recruiting landscape for really anybody below the Division One level, um, you were really at the mercy of whatever schools ended up showing an interest um, just like by nature of, of seeing you or networking through your high school coach. And so, um, yeah, the turbo came up to a fall league and, uh, it was kind of one of those deals where like, like you just like, like, like if you're at the bar, like you just like whatever chick likes you and, um, like they, they showed interest. And so, um, I jumped on it and, um, yeah, like I had, had a really fun freshman year, uh, basketball went well, uh, had some family circumstances and ended up coming home. So it had nothing to do with the school really, but ended up transferring, to, to Hamlin and playing three years there. Uh, and we had some, you know, for, for the level of success that Hamlin had had before, um, before my graduating class came through, uh, you know, the program looked a lot different when we left than when we got there, you know, they, they were one of the worst teams in the league when we got there. Um, and we were a playoff team by the time stuff finished up and uh, we had some good kids transfer in and, and we're fortunate to have some of the kids that, that came in, come in. But, um, yeah, man, like basketball has always been part of the fabric of, of my whole ecosystem, uh, whether it be playing or coaching or, uh, you know, running events and, and everything in between. And that's er, before we get into the next thing with uh, prep hoops, but you studied psychology over there and that's had of yeah. throughout life. I mean, outside of outside of school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So my senior year, I took a psychology course uh, with, with my favorite high school teacher, Dan Katasik. 
And uh, honestly, separate from psychology, like he was just a really cool dude. And like, I liked him. I liked the way he thought about the world. Um, and I've never been as academically inclined. Like I, I understand the value of, of school and, and learning how to learn and really more than anything, learning how to be inquisitive. Um, but in terms of like, like the core subjects, nothing ever really interested me. Uh, maybe math a little bit, but um, nothing was ever super interesting. And so when I took that psychology course uh, it, and really found out that, that there, this was a whole, um, you know, path you could, could go through college with, I always knew that basketball was going to be a part of my life. Um, but knowing that I could use basketball and then take psych courses and just kind of learn about that vertical through college, um, you know, it, it was a good marriage. So, um, yes, yeah, so psychology was always beneficial. Like, I think we all look back at our college experience um, and say, like, man, I probably could have invested a little bit more in, in learning. Because, like, right now, like, my wife and I talk about it all the time. It'd be cool as hell to just be able to, like, go back and sit in college lectures and just and just learn. Um, but, yeah, it was, I mean, all things considered, like, having a psych background in college was definitely beneficial for um, life after school. And, and we're going to have a weird transition here because I, I, you touched on it already. When you were trying to be recruited, there wasn't many – they yeah. didn't have what you are doing right now to, to get right. you. I mean, yeah. it was more – you were kind of doing more of the seeking back then. Did you have in your yeah. mind that this was going to transform? Or I know – I mean, I kind of know the story just from doing all the research I've done on you. Yeah. Then you mm -hmm. going into, you know, meeting some guys through, through AAU coaching. Then yeah, you want to tell us a story of kind of how it all goes down instead of me telling mm -hmm. it? Yeah, no, I, I wish that I, I wish that I could, could take credit for having the foresight um, to have had, you know, the idea for prep hoops back in high school. That wasn't really the case. One thing always stuck in my mind that my dad told me, I remember going to a camp called Future Stars, and it was going into my senior year in high school, and it was at Orono High School, and weird, I don't know, our memories were strange, but like, I remember Cole Aldrich being there. Um, and he was by far the best kid. And then there was like a bunch of kids like me that were actually like paying to go to the camp. And, uh, I remember my dad saying, I know that if more schools knew about you, more schools would be recruiting you. And like, I didn't have a dad that was like the crazy basketball guy that was like, you know, like, like making me like do pushups in the snow and like do all this crazy stuff. Like he was very rational and level-headed about where I was at. He's like, I just feel like there's more schools that would be interested if they knew about you. And so that always resonated with me. And then the dots really started to connect because after I got done at Hamlin, I went and coached at Augsburg for a year. And you saw immediately that the same pain and discomfort that I, like, I felt on the recruiting side as, as really like a Division two, Division three level recruit um, – college college programs at those levels were experiencing the same thing but for different reasons so like with budget constraints um and, and you know lack of access to content and information um schools wanted to get in front of more kids but they didn't know how so you have you know a d3 assistant who's making 30 to 40 grand a year tops that's calling um you know that that's that's scouring all conference lists or emailing high school coaches asking for recommendations and then all of a sudden you're at the mercy of whether or not the high school coach is engaged in the recruiting process so um that 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 kind of came full circle for me and then that next year uh, i got really close with a guy named ryan james here who's who's local to the twin cities and he's really been the guru of um 
high school basketball in the state of Minnesota for the past, like the better part of the last, you know, 15 years. And um, just through professional timing, and it was kind of a stroke of luck, but um, he had parted ways with Minnesota Preps, which really was um, kind of the preeminent source for high school sports information, really more basketball and football in Minnesota. Um, and, and I went to RJ on a whim and just said, hey, if I got some type of a, like a digital product put together, would you be interested in producing content for it? And, um, you know, sparing a bunch of other details, that was really the, that was really the birth of this whole thing. It was back in March of 2012. I mean, so 2012, you're going through it yeah. all. And at the time, though, you were doing it more so for the love of it, right? Yeah. You weren't really doing it. No, well, it was going to turn yeah, into I, yeah, no, I wish my intentions were, were that pure, to be honest with you. My, so my wife and I, so we had our oldest son, Griffin, is 11. So we had Griff my junior year, so February of my junior year in college. Um, we were broke, man. Like, like I was, so I was doing the coaching thing, and then I worked at an annuity wholesaler in, um, in Plymouth. And uh, like for, for those of you who, who don't know what that is, uh, you're, you're making, you know, a hundred plus calls a day trying to get independent insurance agents to write and their annuity business with you. And so, um, and just like a normal entry level job, but like, I didn't have entry level circumstances, you know, like, like I had, I had my now wife, Laura, um, and she was working as a weight loss consultant at the time, um, uh, and Griff and like, we just, we needed to, to have more income. And so, um, seeing seeing where that problem was that the problem existed enough to where it was it was an easy decision to make a small investment and my mom actually you know loaned me i think it was like 3500 bucks i have it framed on my wall in my office uh, at, at our office right now but like the invoice for the first website that we purchased from sports engine and um I told her honestly, like I don't know what I'm going to be able to pay this back and we ended up being able to pay her back the first month which was which was kind of crazy but um yeah, it was, there was definitely, there, there was definitely financial incentive there from a family perspective, but it was not something that I was looking at saying like, this is going to be what, like what it looks like today. It was like, shit, if we could make a few hundred bucks extra a month so that we're not like picking between what, what brand of lettuce we're buying at the, <laughs> at the grocery store. Um, like th that would be amazing. And, uh, just kind of blossom from there. Dude, yeah, I mean, so at that time, was Jake Phillips somebody you met through the Magic when you were coaching Magic AAU? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and Jake is really the, the, the brains behind our business. So, he, so we look at the business really, or our roles really from like a, a visionary and integrator perspective. And, and Jake is, um, in, in all of this stuff, like crossing paths with all the people that I've met through this stuff, like I would put Jake up against anybody as as a, a, a tactical implementer. So um, really our business has been, you know, like I'll have an idea or something that's kind of crazy that I think we could run with and, and Jake really help, helps bring it to life. So um, I met Jake in, gosh, years wise. So it was after his, what would have been going into my senior year, no, going into my junior year in college, I met Jake and, um, we had both emailed the Minnesota magic to coach an AAU team independently of each other. So Jake was a really good player at Carleton. He still has different records at Carleton for three point shooting. Um, 
maybe maybe most times being scored on too. He might have that record as well. Um, <laughs> no, he uh, he, he was he was a big time shooter though, and um, so he uh, we got we got linked up by Tom Crochelle, who was running the Minnesota Magic at the time. He linked us up and put us on a team. Uh, we had a super fun summer together, and so after he got done at Carleton, he went on to get his master's at the Carlson School of Management. And so when I started prep, uh, well, at the time was North Star Hoops Report, uh, Jake reached out um, and said, hey, I'm taking this entrepreneurship course. Like, do you mind if I basically take a look under the hood and just, like, see what you got going on? And we started looking at it, and, you know, he's, he's going through this from, like, more of an academic perspective. Um, and then we started to meet every couple of weeks, and it just kind of blossomed from there. And, and really the, the genesis of it was – shit like I, I think you could try this in another in another sport so our next site was prep girl or north star girls hoops and um north star football news and so we were girls basketball and football here in minnesota um and then when stuff really started to get interesting was in april of 2014 when we um when we uh expanded to iowa for for boys basketball and and, and we had a really good launch and it's like okay we could probably put some gas on this thing and and see what we could get done and so um i can't remember remember exactly when it was it was probably around january of 14 i think we formally became 50 50 partners um and, and did that totally through sweat equity like there was no outside investment uh jake had had already like pr proved enough value where it was an easy conversation just to say like let's just let's just go 50 50 on this thing and roll and um so yeah that fits the genesis of our relationship well, the crazy thing is, is you're being super modest because now you guys are in over 31. Is it over 31 states now? Because that was a couple of years ago when I saw 31 states. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's going quickly. Um, and and we've, we've already added a couple. So for boys basketball, we're 34 states. Uh, for volleyball, it's 11. And then for girls basketball, uh, it's 27. And then the... Um, our, I would say our, the, the largest part of our energy is really being put into football right now. Um, okay. And Jake's having a lot of conversations. Uh, you know, I, I'm doing research in a couple key markets, but, um, you know, I would anticipate that over the course of this quarter, we'll probably open, you know, six to eight football markets. That's insane. You know, can you walk us through some of the other stuff too? Like what entails, yeah. I mean, you guys are hiring writers. How are you gaining subscribers? Like, how did you get all this traffic? And not only that, people can yeah. get traffic, but how do you utilize that traffic to benefit yourself with it? For sure, yeah. So opening a market for us is really trying to figure out, because you're talking about very niche markets, right? And what's interesting about it is, um, you know, each, each business or each market is really its own independent living, breathing thing. So... Like Prep Hoops Oregon, while, um, you know, it brings credibility in other markets that you're represented in other states. If I'm in Minnesota, I don't care about the content that's, that's going up in Oregon. So each market is, it, the, the intent of it is to be the subject matter expert in that sport for that state. So, you know, I guess companies that, that your listeners might be familiar with would be like Rivals. 24-7, um, The Athletic has a very similar business model to ours, but they're covering the top couple hundred players in the country in that grade because they're catering to a college fan base. So, you know, the fans from North Carolina or Duke or Kentucky want to know where Matthew Hurt or Trey Jones or Tyus Jones is going to school. So that's the itch that they're scratching. We're scratching the itch of 
the parents, the high school coaches, the club coaches who have some level of, um, you know, uh, discomfort or ignorance around like who's who, or just want to know like, what's, how does this really, how is my kid has this passion about this sport? I don't really know how to help them. I don't really know where they stack up. And we try to act as a medium for that. And so, um, you know, a huge part of our subscriber base somewhere, depending on the market, somewhere between 80 and 90% of our subscribers in a market are actually going to be, um, like families with a high school athlete in their home. Um, then another, you know, 10 ish percent is college programs. The majority of college programs, um, have either a five state subscription or a national subscription where they're getting access to, to every market. And then, you know, the rest we kind of put in a bucket of like basketball junkies. So that's going to be your high school coaches, club coaches, you know, random college fans or whatever. Um, so yeah, we have, uh, right now today we have over 250 contributors around the country. Um, Jared Nelson, who's a Bethel grad, um, he is, is our uh, editor in chief and he really, um, you know, make sure that, that the, the tenor of all of our content is, is consistent. Um, we have a lot of, you know, data and analytics showing what are the subscription, what, what is description subscription generating content, um, and, and making sure that our contributors are staying close to that. Cause obviously for us, from a revenue perspective, that's beneficial, but more importantly, that that's obviously the stuff that people want to read. Um, yeah. And so, um, the most valuable thing that we have from a college perspective or like why college coaches like our stuff is because we have a list of prospect rankings in every market. And, you know, obviously th those open you up to a lot of dialogue and scrutiny, but they also, um, it, it, what it does is it provides a list of, a list of kids for college programs. So like, and I've used this example before, but like in the state of Minnesota in a given year, there's going to be anywhere from 10 on the low end to 20 on the high end division one players. It doesn't matter if you're ranked, you know, 15th or 20th or 10th or whatever, but what a division one coach knows then if they subscribe to our services, they know, you know, there's usually 20 kids that go division one. Now all of a sudden they have a list of the like 20 to 30 kids that they need to keep an eye on. So it saves hours for them. Um, and then, you know, everybody else in the, in the market kind of gets to argue about it and they get shifted around over time and, and whatever. Which so, you too. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or anything that's huge for you. Yeah, for sure. And, and we don't, we don't hide from, you know, we, we try to be transparent about, you know, what, what gets factored into that stuff. And I, and I just did a podcast last week about like really what goes into prospect rankings and um, you know, you run into this dichotomy of like, you know, and I, I, I have these situations, you know, division three kids scores 15 points, division one kid, kid scores eight points, but division one kid, you know, has a dunk, has a couple nasty pull-ups, like, you know, plays above the rim and the D three kids like doing is like, like dumpy up and under and like, it's all good stuff. But like, it's very Potential. clear if you watch that regardless of stats, like which kid, ex like which, which kid extrapolates to a higher level. Um, but sometimes, you know, obviously parents, um, it is what it is. And like, we, we always need to teeter that line, but, um, our, our contributors are very visible, you know, they're, they're in the gym all the time and it's, it's no different than anything else in life. Like if you work really hard and you're visible, um, you can never question intentions. Like you may, you may question the, the outcome, but like you can't, you can't question, you know, our contributors intentions and they're, they're really good about that. I appreciate that a lot. I mean, and you also do a lot to benefit so many kids. You, you do those, you organize, is it, I don't even know what it is today. The numbers that I found again, were two years old. So I know yep. it was 20 B-ball tournaments, 60 showcases around the country. You do all kinds of things to get people in front of people. 
Yeah, yeah. So, and, and from a tournament perspective, you know, we're up over 60 tournaments and, and we'll run in the ballpark of 100 showcases. And so, again, like, it, it is for us about getting as many names in front of college programs as we can. And, and we're very clear when we bring contributors on board, this is not a pay-to-play thing. This is not a deal where, um, you know, you have to write about every single kid in the gym. But we acknowledge the fact that there's such a broad range of college basketball. And there are hundreds of thousands of kids that want to play in college. And some just want to get a jersey on a Division three roster or a JUCO roster or a low-level NAIA roster. And some kids want to play at, at Duke and Kentucky. And, but that range is so massive. And we just want to make sure that we are serving everybody in that range and that, that no one part of that spectrum gets more attention or resources than another. I think you do that. You accomplish your goal, man. You, I, I tell people all the time, if you want to f- talk to somebody who's going to help you get to the next level, you're the person they should talk to. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> you are. Um, and I know the other thing I read too, and you might've touched on it a little bit, the recruiting sector, you were about to launch it or you did launch it. Um, yeah. Was, yep. Yeah. So how's that going? Yeah, it's great. So, so we have a digital, so we have a digital product that that's called recruit me. So um, there's a huge player in that space called NCSA. And uh, I need to be a little bit careful about what I say. And, and it's not that I have super negative stuff, but I don't want it to come off the wrong way. Um, recruiting services across the country, like we like in this, like in the middle of the United States, and I, I don't know how broad your guys listener base is, but like in the middle of the United States, um, the recruiting service thing is, is a little bit more vanilla, but like if you get out to the East Coast, families are paying thousands and thousands of dollars to get ushered through the recruiting process. Not, not just for sports, but even academically, when you start talking about the Dartmouths and the Yales and schools like that. Um, and so the, the, the deal with, with that recruiting space is you're going to spend with like an NCSA, you know, anywhere from 2000 to 4000 bucks to, to pay them to help navigate you through the recruiting process. And what I don't agree with or endorse in that world is what the families really want is exposure. Like they're, they're not, not now what they want and what they need is different because, because a kid may really need to learn how to market himself, may need to understand more what he needs to work on or she needs to work on um, how to navigate, how to package themselves up and, and market themselves to schools appropriately uh, what questions to ask on a visit and all those things, but that's not what they want. They, they want exposure. And I feel like some of the bigger recruiting services out there and some of these higher pressure sales, they capitalize, they, they hook you knowing what you want, but knowing that they can't give it to you. So like they can't get you more exposure. They can't get you in front of these schools, but shit, you give me two to 4,000 bucks. I will t- can I swear on here? Sorry. Yeah. We're not on 1500 yet. So um, <laughs> it, like if, if I can, if, if they can hook you in with that and then kind of do the bait and switch, there are so many families that are like, what the hell did I pay for? Yeah. And for us, as, as we got off and running with that. So we, we've been NCSA's largest paid partner for, you know, the last three years in basketball. And, and we finally sat down and looked at it and said, okay, is this something that we could bring in house and really bring more white glove value to families? And um, so when we got off and running, what we saw is that, and we definitely had some recruitable players that, um, you know, that inquired about the service or purchased the service. 
And those are, those are the easy ones. You know, like a Division two, Division three level kid that comes to you and says, hey, you know, I need more support. And they're actually recruitable. But what happens is a lot of kids that, that aren't at a level that could potentially play college basketball, you know, wanted to buy the service because they wanted exposure and they wanted to have a relationship with prep hoops. Well, now we're in a position where it's like there's not a ton that we can do. And, like, we're pushing the education element of it. But they're like, okay, how do I get in front of more schools? And it's like, I mean, the, 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 the real answer to that question is you get better at basketball. Yeah. Like, like that, that, that is the answer. Like, it's, it's the work that you need to do. Or, and, and some of it comes down to genetic stuff. But, like, anyway, so that, that's totally separate conversation. So today as it lives, uh, and it's been going really, really well. So in the course of building out that Recruit Me um, product, we have a digital platform and we built a college match tool. So what the college match tool does, it's anywhere from like 12 to 15 criteria, depending on what package you have. And you can go in and say, you know, I want to go to um, a school in the Midwest, show me all division two and three schools that um, even down to like how many threes they take, how many, how many minutes they have returning in my graduating class. And it'll spit out anywhere, you know, whatever, it's it's like a car soup search um, where where it shows you every school that fits that criteria and um, so what we did is we and then we have another thing in there like called the recruiting roadmap where um, or recruiting playbook where they can go in and uh, just get a get a crash course on like chronologically like like what should be happening when in the recruiting process and what steps you need to be taking but then we drop the price way down so it's a it's like two hundred fifty bucks. And, um, you, you can just get a crash course on, on the recruiting process, but we're not going to tell you that we can do anything for you that we can't. Um, and, and it, it takes away the need for like the human capital overhead of like hiring a sales team and doing all that different stuff. So yeah, that's our recruit me product today. And it's been going really well. Like the feedback that we're getting from families is, is really strong. Um, but the people who are buying it are people who actually want that, um, not that are looking for exposure, but then they buy that product, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I, I can appreciate you being honest and upfront and actually you're giving them a service, whether they think it's what they wanted or not. Giving people the actual breakdown of what's going on at the school they're looking at going into is huge. Right. If I had that yeah. as a kid, you know, in high, or high school, that would have been a game changer for me if I knew what I was getting into. You know what I mean? Ted, sure. you have any yeah. You wanted to put in about that because you had some experiences like that at NDSU and all the schools that were recruiting you when you were playing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just now, like, I've talked to a lot of friends and stuff that now have kids that are going through recruiting processes and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, that definitely is a good tool to have because nobody knows unless you've been through that or know somebody that's been through the recruiting process kind of what to expect. I remember NDSU, they sent uh, a check to me for, like, to cover gas for one of, like, the unofficial whatever, like, yeah. per diem type of things. And I remember I got it and thought, like, Oh, is this like an illegal payment to like, I called, the, uh, I called the guy that was recruiting. I was like, Hey, I just got some check. Like, do I need to, you know, have somebody else cash this for me? For sure. money yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And like, for you sure. know, laugh and whatever. So it's just little things like that where you don't know what's going on and anything that can help you kind of through that process is always uh, beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. No. And for us, it's being able to deliver that to families in a way where they don't, they don't feel like they're over committing themselves financially because the, the self of these recruiting services. And, and, and again, I, I don't, I don't fault them for doing it. And there, there's a lot, there's people operating with a lot less integrity than this, but the sell is like, like if you pay us a few thousand bucks, like, like we can help save you money on the back end. And 
like the reality is the common denominator for the recruiting process is whether or not you, you're good enough to play. And, right. um, you know, you, you'll have, um, you, you'll see stuff on social media. And I, like, I pay attention to a lot of stuff in the recruiting space, but you'll see stuff on social media where, um, people are like, people say, Oh yeah. You know, the first thing a college coach asks me when they reach out is, you know, about a kid's grades. I've never once had a college coach have that be the first question. You know, it's, it's always about whether or not a kid can play because it's on a sliding scale. Like if a kid can really play, schools are willing to bend a lot for those guys. And you probably find oh, yeah. guys in, in college that, you know, from a behavior academic perspective or they're, they're, and it, it, it just, it, it's a different, it's just a different beast. And um, it's not to throw anybody under the bus, but it's like, like if you really want to get recruited, like you got to do the work and get better. And I'd rather show a kid like, you know, the stuff they need to work on as an athlete um, and then help educate them on how the recruiting process works as opposed to, you know, selling them on, yeah, like we could call a bunch of coaches for you because we can line a bunch of coaches up, but if they're not good enough, it's not going to matter. Yeah. And a lot of people, I'm guessing, look at you guys kind of like the gatekeeper into a, you know, the NCAA is a billion-dollar industry. It's something where, you know, they're going to help use you guys to get a leg up or coaches that are saying, hey, you're going to help us find the diamond in the rough. Is there any, like, corruption type things that people approach you on like hey if we slide you some money under the table yeah no that's a good question things no. Like that? no that's a good question i mean i like you have you have certainly like i'm sure in each market you have um you know some powerful parents that that would be able to um like that, that that would that would be able to i guess flex their resources to make that stuff happen but um i i would say more frequently than not um there's just more of like a genuine lack of understanding. You know, I'll have parents reach out to me. Like I, like I, I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram yesterday. Um, and they, 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 it was like, Hey, my son is the 126th ranked player in your New Jersey rankings. And I got, like, I need to know why. And I'm like, dude, your, your kid could walk into my office right now. I have no idea who he is, but like, yeah. so like just a, just a lack of understanding for like, like, how that funnel actually uh how that actually works but no we haven't had we haven't had anything i mean we get some crazy ass emails now don't get me wrong like we get we get some shit from parents that i'm like um uh, and most of the time like i'm sure if the kid or, or spouse saw the communication they'd be appalled but like we get yeah i mean we we definitely have a scrapbook of uh of crazy ass communications that we've gotten <laughs> over the years for sure we're gonna have to do a separate podcast and just read those just oh, like, for that sure. Might be great yeah. for, for your social media. Yeah, get like more, more, get like more Morgan Freeman to come in and read them. Or something. <laughs> yes. That'd be epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going forward, what's your vision for prep hoops in the future? Yeah, yeah, no, that's um, that, that's the billion dollar question. Like we, um, I would say the interesting thing about it is that the more that we grow, the smaller I feel like we are in that space. Um. So, sorry, I just had a call that I had to ignore. Um, yeah, so, so let me turn off my, okay. Um, am I still here? All right. Yeah, you're good. So the more, so, so the more that we, uh, yeah, the more that we go, the, the more I realize, like, how far we could go with it. Um, but we do not have, like, these visions of, like, mass world domination. Um, there's, there, there are some interesting things that are happening in the space uh, just from a consolidation perspective. You know, I think we definitely want to uh, – we want to continue to grow, but I think we also want to evolve out of the um, – like, out of being, you know, too reliant on, on any one sector. So, um, you know, not being too reliant on events. You know, our subscription business is interesting because it, 
it continues to uh, to grow and it's a very safe revenue stream. But um, and and we really do have like we we call it kind of our our proprietary sauce, but like we we have pretty well baked out, you know, like what we're going to invest in a given market for it to, um, you know, for it to become profitable. Um, but our, our success is more death by paper cuts because no one market makes enough money, um, for us to, you know, for us to like retire and move to the Caribbean. Um, it's, it's more the success of all of the markets, but you know, we do have a recipe put together that uh, helps markets be successful pretty quickly. So, from a vision perspective, I think definitely continuing to grow um, on the boys' basketball side, on the girls' basketball side, and volleyball. Um, we're tackling football now. Um, the event space in football um, is an interesting one because most of those events are free. You know, like the showcases, like the, the bigger showcases, kids come in for free. And so you're, you're looking more at corporate partnerships for something like that to be successful. Um, but, yeah, I think just, just continuing to do what we've been doing. Um, and, and seeing where it takes us. Cause we, we are still very much in our infancy for what our potential looks like. That's awesome. And, 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 you know, pivoting to uh, still in basketball, cause that, that's your yeah. love, but going into your coaching, you know, you coached in yeah. coached at Augsburg, you coached at St. Yeah. John's, right? A stint there. And then unfortunately at St. John's, I hate to say yeah. that. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yep. Walk us through that before we get into the AAU stuff and then your high school stuff. Yeah. So, um, my experience in AAU really is the foundation of um, of the value that that I've been able to bring uh, to to prep hoops. Just more of the experiences, uh, the, the connections are valuable, but, but the experiences that um, the breadth of experiences. So you know, I did everything from like when we started out with the Minnesota Magic uh, with, with Jake, and that was the first team that that I kind of coached. And I started to, and I started to see quickly. Um, that families were looking for a very comprehensive experience and looking for support and recruitment and looking for, um, like they, they want to have that, that hands-on touch. So the next year I coached a Minnesota magic team uh, on my own because Jake was finishing up his masters. He was an energy trader. Um, he wasn't going to be able to coach anymore. And, um, God, I remember we were going to tournaments in, in Kentucky and in Indianapolis and, uh, I remember telling the families before the season, like, hey, this is the team fee. It was like 500 bucks or something. But, um, like, I want to be able to do more with the team, but we're not going to charge you guys. So we're going to fundraise and we're going to do all this stuff. And I sent uh, – I mailed a letter out to all these families from Creighton telling them I was working with, you know, kids who wanted to have a better AAU basketball experience, whatever. So we raised a few thousand bucks that way. We ran our own little tournament for the Minnesota Magic and um, – I remember none of that, none of that stuff matters, but I remember having at the end of these tournaments, cause I, I committed to the families, like we'll make sure all the kids get fed on the road and all this stuff. I remember in my like motel six hotel rooms, having like stacks of little Caesars boxes, like up to the ceiling and kids are just like sweating pizza sauce during <laughs> these games. Cause it was like breakfast and lunch and dinner. Like all we're eating is little Caesars and uh, only staying at motel sixes. It was just like, it was a complete train wreck. But, um, to the point, I think we were talking before the show, like when people see your effort and intentions are pure, um, like they'll, they'll stick with you. And so after that year, um, I went and coached for the Minnesota Fury for a couple of years and the Fury was really the top non-sponsored program and they, they still are today. Um, and so, um, I coached with them for a couple of years and had a really good team with, uh, like JP McCurra was on that team. Um, I think on that team we had 
three no yeah we had three kids two kids played division one of the 10 kids like five or six played division two it was a good team and um so there was a program called minnesota pump and run that was around at the time and they were sponsored by adidas and um they, their team was loaded they had jarvis johnson henry ellinson reed travis they had two mcdonald's all americans on the team uh and we just kicked the shit out of them at the end of the summer and um at their tournament um and, and, and I will just never, I, I can still see it in slow motion. Uh, the funny thing is, and if anybody's seen me coach, like I get, I, I've dialed it back a little bit, but like, like I, I got a pretty sharp tongue and um, I got kicked out of the game. We were up 20 and I got kicked out of the game with like three minutes. And I was like, I was not fucking around that day. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I was just like ready to run through a wall. And so, um, so we beat these guys. And then like two weeks later and, and I hated hated their coach the guy's name was jeremy miller and i just thought he was the biggest dick ever and uh i'm, I'm getting out of my car bringing griff to, to daycare and uh i i hear a guy who's like he was like nick and i look up and it's 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 the dude who coached that team and our kids are at daycare together i'm like god damn it like i'm gonna have to be nice to this guy and so uh fast forward a few weeks uh we had just seen each other kind of like in in passing in a less competitive environment he was like hey i think you should talk to uh you should talk to our program director. And um, so they, like, they ended up asking me to come over and coach. Like I always wanted to, to try to coach, um, you know, for a shoe circuit. And we had a couple really good teams, obviously J or good players, JP Bakura being, being one of them. And so um, I ended up coaching that same age group that I was coaching. I coached that age group, but, uh, but um, at Minnesota pump and run. And then now that program has turned into to what is D one Minnesota today. So I, you know, I coached for those guys for, um, I think I coached five or six teams for them, and those are still some of my really good friends and this stuff. But obviously, like, seeing it on all ends of the spectrum from, like, you know, the pizza boxes at the Motel 6 all the way through, you know, doing the, the, the Adidas shoe-sponsored thing and everything between, just seeing how, how each of those levels of programs function and then seeing that medium-tier program with Minnesota Fury, um, it was a very natural transition when we started, like, operating deeply in the event space uh, with Prep Hoops you you understand how to serve all these different all these different folks and the thing that we really learned was that uh these premier teams were getting this level of experience such a finite number of teams were getting this premier experience and all their players and families were getting this big time experience but that wasn't being delivered to all of these programs that actually crave it more than anyone and so um our, our real mission in the event space is to, to deliver that, that same um, like shoe brand sponsored experience for programs that, um, you know, are doing everyday things and being recruited by the same types of schools that, you know, I was recruited by during the recruiting process. So then going through that, I mean, you, you're also recruiting these kids. I, I wanted to bring it in because I know when you were doing the college stuff, you're helping with recruiting, scouting, game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, with the AAU stuff, you're actually out there recruiting high school kids to play on the teams. That's how you found Dawson. Like you went to, yeah, yeah. You know, he told me yeah, no, you can really play, and you went up to him. You're like, dude, I know the potential you have. What you could be, you could be a D1 prospect. And you got him at like 14, 15 years old, and you yeah, know, you really put him on the right path. Yeah, his parents definitely could have had me arrested for sure. <laughs> um, just the the amount that uh that that I would go to his games, but um. No, I mean, like Dave and Stacy were, were awesome during that process, and like I, I'm always, I was, I, I still to this day because like we can talk about uh, about Tatino Grace in a minute here, but um, it's it's 
the, the AAU world is very sensitive to me because like with social media working the way that it does now, you know, you see a lot of times that club programs are, are going like directly to a kid. And, and I always like, I, I could get a 14 or 15 year old kid to think whatever I want and take me five minutes. And like, I, I could get those guys on board with whatever I'm talking about. But, um, you know, most parents want, want to, want to be involved in that process. And I think I out of respect to, um, you know, families like, like, you know, the Garcias and anybody else, like that's, that's how, how I've always handled families. Like, you know, go seek out the parents, um, let them know like, like what, what my intentions are, who I am. Um, and, and you know, how I, how I feel like, you know, our situation could be beneficial for, uh, for their kid. And so that is, that is truly the part of it that I enjoy the most. Coaching is fun and like being in games is fun, but the, the competitive element of, of really going out because AAU basketball is really fantasy basketball. Um, and then, you know, like depending on, depending on what level program you're in, you have maybe a different budget to go function. But, um, you know, that, that was always the funnest part of, of D1 Minnesota and coaching those teams is that, you know, you're, you're going out with, with, really a loaded chamber um, to, to go try to put together the best possible team. And sometimes it's not taking the 10 best kids because uh, that, that team that Dawson was on only two kids were different on that roster from the very first team that we put together. And they were the best team in the country last year. So that, that's, that, that never happens. So 15, you, a, a team in, in a high level program is usually totally retooled. Maybe the top couple guys are still there, but that team is usually totally retooled by 17. You, um, so it's obviously just a testament to how hard those kids worked um, and, and a good personality fit and mix of guys that, that there wasn't any dissension on that team. Um, but it's fun being able to put those groups together and kind of see how they're going to shake out. Um, and, you know, we, we've carried that over definitely to, uh, to everything that we're doing now at Tatino Grace. Talk to me about Tatino Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our we're, it's a pretty unique deal. So we were, um, when I came in, um, we had, we had six seniors on the roster and I took the job pretty late and didn't really have an opportunity to, to network a ton. Uh, we brought in a couple good kids in what is the 2021 class. Um, and, and I'm, I'm talking about this like, like I'm a college coach and I, I mean, with, with private schools, it is a little bit like a college program because when kids are paying um, and they're interested in basketball or interested in any activity, like there's a level of transparency that you need to have. So like a Lakeville North or prior Lake or whatever, um, like the, the coaches don't really have to tell you anything like that. That's your, that's your community school. Like you're going to go, you're going to go play there. Like a family's going to want to sit down and talk to you and understand what your intentions are for their kid. If they're going to rattle off, you know, 15 to 20 grand a year. And, you know, Tino Grace costs about 17 grand. And so uh, we do treat it a little bit more like a college program that way, but we brought in a couple kids in the 2021 class. Um, but we had to play mostly seniors and um, we, we really started to, uh, to, determine from there, you know, what, what made sense in like the types of personalities that we wanted to have around the program after we got our footing. And um, so now our 2023 class, we have three kids in that class that are in the top six players in the state. Um, we just had the, the best player from North Dakota, a 2023 kid, a six, nine kid that, that transferred up here. And it was just kind of happenstance. And um, he looked at a couple of the private schools up here, but um you know, we feel like he has an opportunity to impact the program significantly. And um, a kid who I, I believe is, is the best eighth grader in the state will be coming next year. And so um, we, we didn't have any seniors last year. We were top five in the state. Um, you know, we, we had the, um, depending on how you look at it, the fortune or misfortune of being in Minnehaha's section. Um, 
regardless of the the like wins or losses they had last year. I think there are a lot of people who believe that that, that was one of the more unique teams that's been in Minnesota maybe ever, uh, just with you know two potential lottery picks on the same team. Yeah. Um, and so we played them in the section finals, and um, and they definitely showed us where 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 we were at and they and, and where they're at. Um, and so we returned our whole team, so we had no seniors on our roster, and uh, with some of the guys we have coming in, um, you know, I feel like we have an opportunity to win a couple state titles over the next couple of years here. The competitive side of you, though, has got to love that, you know, to to, see oh, yeah. that, to then grow it. Yeah. And like you said, mini haha right now, they're the team. Yeah, yeah, without question. And, and, and it's it, – like last year the thing became larger than life. And, um, you know, I've known – I've known, you know, Jalen Suggs and, and Larry Suggs for his dad for, you know, since Jalen was in fourth grade playing in our tournaments. Uh, there, there was one tournament, and I would have to look back and see what year it was, but Jalen couldn't have been older than – fifth grade and that weekend he played like 16 or 17 games because he was playing on the fifth grade team sixth grade team like he was playing on every single team and um he was just bouncing all over the place and um you know so they, they and like so so seeing his whole deal come to fruition um it's interesting with with like working with kids now the impact of this microwave society where you know you see a highlight tape and just like assume that the kid just kind of like arrived at that destination but like we don't give credence to how much work actually went into that and how many trials and tribulations actually went through that and it's no disrespect to to, to Jalen Suggs because he is one of the best players if not the best player to ever play in Minnesota but I bet his career record like like going down to youth basketball because they played up in so many tournaments and and intentionally put themselves um in tough circumstances i bet his career record is is you know 600 maybe now he's obviously tipped the scales in his favor the last couple of years but there were a lot of tough moments that got him to that point and a lot of kids don't want to go through those tough moments and so being able to convey to our our young guys because we we have you know a couple of the most talented kids in the state being able to convey to them um where Jalen and Chet and those guys used to be. I mean, Chet talks about showing up at his first at his first um, grassroots sizzle practice in like jean shorts, and um, so from where they were to where they they are today, um, you know, trying to convey that to our guys, like these guys were in your shoes not that long ago. Uh, we feel like we have the potential to do a lot of the same stuff that uh, that they're doing right now. You, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but but telling kids the highs and lows, but making yeah. them aware of the roadblocks to, to yeah. make their dreams come to fruition. Can yeah. you elaborate on that just a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say, and, and it, it really is a never ending list, but like one of the biggest things to, to address with kids is, is first and foremost, like the, what you sacrifice socially, you know, like you're probably not going to go to any spring formal dances until your senior year. Uh, and you know, if you end up playing, playing AAU in your senior year, cause you're unsigned, like you may not go to that either. And, um, just like what your body has to actually go through and what discomfort actually feels like. Cause the challenge is with so many trainers out there right now, there are so many guys that'll charge you anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60 to a hundred bucks an hour that will bring you in, get some shots up with you, kind of rub your tummy and let you know, like, Hey, this is great. And like, make sure the check clears, but it's so physically exhausting to get to an elite competitive level. And, um, so conveying to guys like what actual discomfort is, what it actually looks like to be tired, what it actually looks like to 
like really have a coach jump on you and have to adjust to those things. Um, what, what it looks like playing in a gym with other, other guys that are at or above your level and how to fit into that whole ecosystem. Um, unfortunately, and I've been talking to, to some buddies about this recently, but, um, you know, the, the question that, that I'm constantly asking parents is, are you preparing the kid for the path? Or are you preparing the path for the kid? Cause, cause you do have the ability as a parent to say, Oh, you know, we're going to play for this club team because, um, like, like Billy's going to for sure play the whole game on that team, or he's going to be able to take a bunch of shots. So they do the same thing with the high school program, or they go to a trainer who, you know, just, just kind of works on the stuff they're good at and maybe not the stuff that they actually need to work on. Uh, or, or they, they ignore the, the strength and conditioning aspect of things. And when they get feedback, they fight it. So, um, you know, the list really is, is infinite for the, the challenges that come. And so that's where it's like, unless you go in with a, like truly looking for, looking for discomfort, like knowing that if, if it's easy or comfortable, like something's, something's probably off right now. Um, yeah, you just open yourself to, to fall a little bit short of your mark. What's your, uh, your roadmap for kids to try to get a scholarship right now? It, it, I mean, you're going to be going through this in a few years with your kids. What are you, yeah. you going to do for your kids to get them into that point? What do you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Children. Yeah. Um, just, just start working early. Like, like start, start getting in the habit of like building a routine, um, pursue challenges, like pursue like physical exhaustion and all these different things. I think, um, trusting that, that it is really, it, it's a long drawn out process. It's not something that, um, you know, just like flips on one day or there's, there's not like a perfect recipe, but I, the, the, the road, I hesitate to say a roadmap because it, it's different for everyone, but I, I think em, embracing the fact that you need to be the one that is dictating your value. So you need to be leaning on your work, not being reliant on the club program, not being reliant on a recruiting service or a ranking, but truly understanding that if you work as hard as you possibly can, those other things do have a funny way of falling into place. And what kids also need to understand, and like, I would even say this about my own kids. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm very coordinated, but not a like explosive athlete. My wife isn't super athletic, but she's tall. Our kids may be, you know, six, one, six, two, six, three. They look more like the kids that play at university of St. Thomas and well, maybe not St. Thomas in a couple of years, but like the Hamlets and Augsburgs and um, you know, if my kid ends up being six, six or six, seven, he's going to have a higher likelihood to play at a higher level. And there, there is, there are infinite scenarios where a six, three moderately athletic kid works harder than, or like the, to the same degree as a kid who's, you know, six, seven and, and a little bit more athletic and their outcomes are going to be wildly different. And so, um, knowing that if, if you're working as hard as you possibly can, if you're getting your skill development and if you're getting your nutrition and you're sleeping and you're, um, you know, being proactive in your recruitment and picking the right club teams and going to the right high schools, like sometimes it's just like, shit, this is what the world's telling me. And like, that's okay. And all the skills that I've acquired here, right. When that ball stops bouncing, like, damn, I'm going to be a badass sales rep or a business owner or a leader, or all those different things. And we talk to kids about that all the time. Uh, it's just like, we're using basketball to help really trick kids into figuring out how to treat the stuff that they love to do. Um, and cause, cause even, even if you play until you're 40 and you sock a bunch of dough away, you still got half your life to figure out how to be happy. 
And so um, it's, it's really more using basketball as a vehicle to, uh, you know, to teach some of those other lessons. And, and I mean, I'm going to bounce around a lot with a bunch of these final questions for you. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, a lot of young kids, or I should say young adults, they trust you. They're putting their future in your hands in a lot of ways for advice. Yeah. And, and does that trip you out when you really think about it? Uh, it, it, it doesn't because I'm all in on it. You know, like, like this is, this is, I think, you know, I feel like this is a test that I've, that I've studied for, that I've prepared for, um, and, and immersed myself in. And I think that, that we have great confidence in the things that, uh, that we're all in on. Uh, I think, you know, if you got to go into a sales present presentation to sell, you know, light bulbs and like, you don't really give a shit about light bulbs, you know, like, like, like if somebody really puts some pressure on you, you may like, you may crack a little bit, but, but for me, um, I live this stuff and breathe this stuff and it's not, not through a level of arrogance, but it's, it's truly what I love to do. And I'm not, I'm not bashful about, I know that I'm never going to direct a kid to make a mistake by telling them that they're, that, that they're in charge. You know, with the, the second I start saying, yep, if you come with me, I can make sure that this happens. So I'm going to wave my magic wand and make sure you get recruited at this level or that things are going to shake out this way. That's where it gets dangerous. And then we just like, in any walk of life through prep hoops through to Tino Grace or anywhere else, um, we, we t- I tell kids the exact same thing. You know, you, you're in the driver's seat. So um, we're a little bit insulated in that way, in that, in that we always put the ownership back on the kids. Do you have a favorite coaching memory? <laughs> Shit. I mean, I, I might've, I might've blown my, blown my good answer. Um, that Minnesota pump and run game definitely, um, definitely sticks out when I got kicked out of that game. Um, that was fun. Um, you know, to be honest, this year, that mini ha-ha game was really fun. Just like, like the environment and the atmosphere, you definitely got the vibe of like, like, like we were kind of the little brothers coming in and, um, you know, had, had, had earned some respect through, um, you know, the way that, that our guys competed for a stretch. Um, so that was cool. You know, we had, we had a game, we had a section final game that we lost on a buzzer beater my first year. Um, Javon Hadley who's going to Northeastern, had a tip in from Matamidi. Um, but, yeah, to be honest, I mean, there's I, – I, it, it looks kind of weird because if you came into, like, an empty gym, like, I, I, I act the same coaching uh, in the gym with, with nobody in it than I do in, like, a packed gym. Um, and so, I mean, all the games kind of feel the same to me. But, I mean, there's little stuff. Like, one of our guards last night got, got offered by the University of Mary – He's worked really hard for us, tore his ACL as a freshman, started for us last year as a sophomore. Um, you know, we had one of the best guards in the country that's a freshman that came in. And so, like, DJ had to slide off the ball. His production went down this year. And so, to, like, see him get his first scholarship offer last night, like, that's the shit for me. That's way, like, I don't – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, win and lose a lot more games. But, you know, the stuff that will stick for me is seeing kids, um, you know, realize, realize their potential. That's awesome, man. That's cool to hear that. I'm, I'm happy for that kid. Shout him out. Yeah, that's cool that's super dope. Yeah. Um, Q, you got, you got one right now? Yeah, uh, I wanted to dive back to the game that you got kicked out. You said you were up yeah. to 20 with three minutes left. What were you yeah. saying to get kicked out of I, the game that you were up to? Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know what the score was, man. I didn't even <laughs> – like, it was – for me, it was just like um, – I was just seeing red. We had played those guys. We had played those guys early in the season, and um, – I, uh, you know, I like the, 
it's, it's funny watching this last dance stuff. And I, I will, I will never like make a, make a Michael Jordan comparison to, uh, to, to myself in any way, shape or form. But like when they say stuff like, you know, it's like little things that like, I, I, I'm capable of grabbing onto really little things and, and feeling slighted by them. And, or like using that stuff to kind of, kind of fuel, um, my next move. And, um, you know, like that, that game could have been five hours long. Like, like we were not going to run out of gas that day. And, um, it was just like, like it was, it was going to be till that final buzzer. Um, you know, like, like we wanted to go as hard as we possibly could. And so I, I, I truthfully don't even remember, but it was funny because as I was walking out, uh, like, so I got kicked out and as I was walking out, like, like, I was looking down at the ground and like, I, I, I must've like ran into the ref or like, like we <laughs> like ran into each other. And so he got up and tried to like give me another tee and uh, his partner came over. He's like, ah, you can't do that. <laughs> and uh, so I did not get the third one, but um, yeah, man, it was just, uh, it was just kind of one of those things. Like there, there wasn't going to be a lot that was going to stop that, that the train that day. <laughs> I like it. What are what do you think parents should be doing in the grassroots basketball scene right now? What do you think their role is, especially for the parents that that don't have much of a passion for it? For sure, yeah. I I think that like the best advice that I could give to parents, man, is is there's so much information, and I, I think um, you know I guess the the best way that I would put it is like <clears throat> I feel like like parents right now are drowning in information, but they're thirsting for actual knowledge and. So everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, jumping out there and um, saying like, this is the best thing to do. This is the best thing to do. I think that you just got to commit to like pick the things that you're going to commit to and then just commit to them and trust them. And, you know, it's like um, if, if you read like these self self enhancement books, you read like, like there's a book that, that, that Ramit, uh, Ramit said the, um, I don't know if you guys read it all, but there's a book I'll teach you to be rich. And, um, he talks about how, how people will like paralyze themselves looking at all these different ways to like put together their financial portfolio. And it's like, just pick one, just like, just like pick one and go with it. And for, so for parents, like pick a high school, pick a club coach. If you need a trainer, pick a trainer and then just be done with it and commit to them. And anytime something goes wrong, it's, it's not like nothing's broken. Like there are bad days and that's okay. And so, um, it would just be like, pick, pick a path, roll with it. Make sure your kid's working really hard. Um, never talk badly about the kid's coach in front of them. Even if you think the coach is a dumbass, um, like don't talk badly in front of the kid. Cause if, if they feel like you don't trust them, they're never going to trust them. And if a kid doesn't trust, like it, it makes it really challenging for them to be successful. So, um, my, my biggest advice to parents is like, be involved in the process, but like pick a path, roll with it. Make sure your kid understands that like, you're committed to the path that's been chosen for them so that, you know, ultimately the ball stays in their court and they, they're responsible for doing their work. I got another question. Um, if you can go yep. back and change anything about your career, what would it be and why? Yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Um, I think that over time, I've, I've built a curiosity with, with just like learning and, and like, like, like more approaching things through the, through the perspective that like, I don't know anything um, and, and like wanting to learn more. 
Um, I think early on, and it's probably a natural reaction, like when you're young in your career, especially if you're competing with or needing to sell to an audience that's older, is trying to act like you have stuff figured out. And um, I wish that early on, or if I, if I went back, I, I probably would have been well served in being more inquisitive um, and, and taking that approach instead of, you know, like wanting to feel like I had all the answers. Cause pe people really don't, even if you're, I mean, if you're 40 years into your career, people don't expect you to have all the answers. I think people like to work with people who embrace what they don't know, but then are willing to go find the answers. Um, so yeah, I, I would say just, just being more open-minded early on. <clears throat> so, and kind of being and continue to be more of mine and kind of how you move forward with, you know, your prep hoops and, and kind of expanding on how you're getting kids. Obviously, you're focusing a lot on the recruiting process and getting them to schools. But now, and I mean, like, was it this past or well, the year before with Zion kind of having the injury late and kind of almost jeopardizing his future NBA career? And you see more guys that are going to, like, there was a couple of top recruits that went to yeah. the G League or overseas. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do you have anything in place to help kids that want to take that path rather than go to school, or are you just strictly focused on getting them into universities? Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I think kids that um, there's, I, I'm all for like kid, kids going and making money like pursue the path that, that makes sense for you. Um, you. You see the prep school route is something that that's also like a really significant thing for kids. I think all that stuff's on the table. You see late bloomers that, you know, kids that would potentially be well served in, in reclassing and, and um, you know, like, so for this year's 2021 grads, there may be a kid who's a late bloomer who reclasses to 2022 and then takes another prep school year. Um, I, I think you just got to make sure that whatever you're doing it's there's a level of authenticity to it and there's there's in it uh, an internal view of where you're actually at you know like who are you listening to who's guiding you into those decisions and that's true even even going to universities um what leads you to believe that you're going to be successful there and if it's anything besides um because i'm so confident in the work that i've done and the work that i'm going to do that i can be successful here i think you got to take a step back and and just make sure that you're doing it um for your own reasons whatever that may be if you're going to the g league if you're going to play basketball at augsburg like it's got to be because mm. you believe you're capable of playing at that level based on the work you've done and the work you're going to continue to do you tap or you touched a little bit about the prep school stuff um that's that's the duncan robinson route why don't you elaborate on what that is for people who don't even really know what that is yeah <clears throat> yeah so it's, it's it's man it's it's got a pretty like broad definition uh because just like college basketball and all the different levels like there are a lot of different prep schools there are startup prep schools that are more like co-oping with um with uh like high schools or magnet schools where the kids are actually taking their classes at a normal high school and then they're playing in this like national programs like Finley prep was a really visible one that had some accreditation issues with, um, uh, with the, the classes that kids were taking in the school. They were like, they, they, they were getting taught by like fifth and sixth grade teachers. So that's a huge, that's a very stark contrast to going to like a Brewster or a Tilton or, um, a new Hampton where, the, the general student body is paying, you know, 50 to 60 grand a year to go to that school. And the normal students are going to Harvard and Yale after they leave. 
um, as opposed to a program that's really, or, or yeah, a basketball program or a school that's built around the basketball program. Um, so like how they're funded and the way all that, that stuff goes makes it really unique, but it, it really is. Um, <clears throat> it's a way for kids to be able to go have more of a college basketball type experience um, in preparation for, for going to college. And some kids need a post-grad year because they need it academically. Um, some kids want to do it developmentally, but that post-grad year could have a lot of different reasons and, and, and could permeate itself a lot of different ways. But, but in a nutshell, it's really just an additional year or it's a place to go to incubate maybe on a little bit faster track than you would at, at you know, a normal four-year, four-year high school. And, and again, kids in Minnesota, um, it's it's a little bit more taboo to see kids from Minnesota go do it. Um, you, you see it occasionally, but it's not as common. I guess like with Kendall Brown recently doing it, with Trayton Thompson doing it, those were a couple guys in the 2021 class that did it. But before that, like Gary Trent did it, Rashad Vaughn did it, but uh, it's a little more few and far between. Where some of these other states, like like in Arizona, I want to say they had like eight of their top 10 players went to prep schools. And um, so it varies a little bit by market, but it's a little bit more foreign to, uh, to, to like the, the local basketball community. You guys got any more questions? I got two left that I want to ask before we wrap it up. But if you got anything for them real quick. Uh, no, good. Knock them out. Q? Okay. So my last two then are, are real simple yeah. ones. Uh, yeah. Your advice to young players, number one. Yeah. Which I think you're going to uh, say put in the work. Yeah, I, I I think it's just like look at this thing with a really long lens. Like it, it's very easy to be transactional, and you know when I, when I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, like I didn't have a great scope for what I was doing. Like I knew I liked girls, I liked to eat a lot of food, I liked to play basketball, and like it's okay to have that mindset and be a kid, but also like what is what are you gonna get from this? Because when you go to college, regardless of if you're at the D3 level or at the Division One level, like those, those coaches are there getting paid to win games. And that doesn't mean that they don't care about you. And, and there's, there's, you know, there's a range of how much um, like those coaches are going to show that they care about you as a person. But at the end of the day, like if you, if you get your college degree and then you're like, you don't know what's next or, or how you're going to use all of these years of work to go create a, a, a happier, healthy, more fruitful life for yourself, um, doing yourself a huge disservice. Um, and so I would just say, like, look at this thing through a very long lens and decide what you want basketball to be for you. And it may mean you want to make some money playing after college. It may mean you want to get into coaching. It may mean, you know, you're building a bunch of life skills and tools and connections that you're going to use later, whatever it is. Uh, just be very authentic with yourself about, you know, what you want to get from this thing long-term. Love that answer. My, my next one, too, is uh, another very simple one. What's your advice yeah. to entrepreneurs? You're a very successful entrepreneur, and I know there's people every day trying to start new things, and you've done it. You've accomplished it. So, Yeah. Um, yeah successful, is, successful is loosely defined, I guess. Um, but, yeah, like just knowing that it's going to like suck in, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of rhetoric, like the Gary Vaynerchuk's of the world that, that basically say like, you know, like, like you gotta be willing to just like eat shit for like the longest time. And like <clears throat> where I wouldn't be that brash about it. It's there. The, the cool thing about like the entrepreneurial running your own business is that 
you know, you ultimately do have, you, you get to spread your work out over 24 hours. So you get to decide like, like when your work happens, but the volume of work is, is, is really robust. And the, the, the amount of things that you need to, um, that you need to do and be responsible for, uh, they're never ending. And at the end of the day, like it does rest on your shoulders. And so, um, I think like starting a business is, is the best thing that, that I've done professionally for sure. Uh, linking up with Jake is, is a close second, or maybe I'm, honestly is even a better decision than, than starting it myself. But, um, and if, if I, I guess I, if I could add to that is be okay being exact, like being everything you are and everything you're not like, you don't have to be, you don't have to be everything in that business, figure out what you're not and then bring people in that are those things. So for me to be, you know, finance guy or tech guy or be like all these things that I'm not, we have, we've brought people on and that's the best thing we've done as business. We've hired, we've, we've hired really, really well. And so, um, I would say understanding that, that it's going to be extremely challenging for a long period of time. And, um, just to embrace all of the skills that you have and then bring people in around you that, um, you know, that, that, that help, that helps supplement what you do well. Love it. Coach, we appreciate you coming on, man. It was a lot of fun. And, and the information you gave is awesome. And I know kids are going to love it and adults are going to love it. So thank you. Yeah, of course. No, it was great talking to you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.